Hello and welcome to another episode in the Creating Customer Success podcast series. My name is Dan and I'm your host. And my name is Alex and I'm your co-host. In this series, we are interviewing customer success leaders to learn how to build and run the best CS teams. We hope you enjoy listening. Anika, thank you so much for joining. So I guess to begin, it would be great if you could be able to just give a quick introduction into kind of um, your background in CS and, and how you got started for the listeners. Yeah, of course. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. As I told you guys, I think it's really great what you guys are doing. So I'm kind of honored to be asked to be on it. So I'm really looking forward to this chat that we're going to have. My journey in customer success traditionally kind of started from the sales background, actually. Um, I think that's kind of a, a pretty typical route. But from what I've heard from all CS professionals, there is no typical route. But I'd say I started in sales and then moved into account management. And my first customer success role was actually a one-to-many um, customer success role at um, then point of sales. And they were based out of Berlin. And it was a one-to-many role because they were scaling up. And um, it was more of a tech touch to mid touch kind of role. And from there, I guess my, um, my experience evolved into um, being the first customer success manager at my previous organization, which was, um, is bizarre, but it's now called DeCast since they've been acquired. And they needed customer success to come in, someone to come in and build out the entire function and grow a team around that. So I guess that's kind of where I moved into leadership is um, being the first person in customer success there, really building out what it is customer success does in a SaaS organization, and then hiring a team um, globally around that. And which leads me to my current role, um, which is director of customer success at Zap, which is a business intelligence and data management platform. And similar to my previous role, um, my executive team here saw the gap in the market of not having a customer success team um, in the current organization. And they decided that we needed to bring someone in um, to spearhead that, to lead that, and to then build a team around that in order to uh, transition the company from on-premise perpetual licensing, which uh, we were about three years ago, and now we're in in a SaaS market as well. So kind of a really high level spiel, but um, to sum it up, my my experience comes from more of a sales background into, um, at the time, account management because they saw a a need to manage the accounts that were brought on and and then into CS really. Amazing. Fantastic. It's, it's really great to hear that actually as well, because I think out of all of these episodes that we've recorded, there's so many different backgrounds um, that people have had. Some have had like a sales background. Some people have been perhaps maybe more on even the dev side, tech side, support side. So it's really great to hear um, yeah. kind of how that has evolved for you. Um, also, what's interesting is the fact that you do have that account management experience. And I suppose the other thing that we've um, been touching on in, in this series is what is customer success because within some organization uh, it will be quote carrying and almost very similar to an account management role in mm-hmm. other areas it can be I suppose more on the support side or just driving kind of an engagement and, and usage so it would be interesting to get your perspective on like how you see us generally 
um, sorry, or how, how you see customer success currently and how that differs to perhaps maybe more of the traditional like account management style that you were previously in before moving into uh, customer success? Yeah, definitely. I think you touch on something that's, that's really important in the customer success um, realm is that it comes from a lot of different directions. Like I do think it, customer success was around a lot longer, um, way before we actually classified it as customer success. It was client services. It was customer support. It was account management. It's just now kind of evolved into all of that in one. Um, but yeah, I can definitely touch on what I guess the, the main parts of customer success is. And I do think that that's when you're helping your customers achieve their desired outcomes while using your product and service. That seems like a, <laughs> a typical answer, but I think that that's the core of what we do is we're hoping to get our customers to reach their desired outcomes with our product and hopefully make their business or um, their account um, useful to them in their day-to-day -day life. So I do think that customer success is a relationship-focused, um, a client management part of the the um, entire organization and I think it totally is important because it helps align what the client expectation is and uh, versus our goals as a company and it's a it basically turns into a mutually beneficial um, relationship and that's why I say that client relationship and client management is so much a part of customer success and I do think that that's where the crux of everything lies I think that's where we really shine when it comes to the customer success team is we are there to build those relationships and to make sure that um, our customers are getting everything they can out of our product. Um, and I'm going to use another typical term that we are a trusted advisor. And I think that that's something that a lot of people really take for granted because in a typical sales role, a lot of people see it as, oh, they're just trying to sell to me versus in customer success. We really are just trying to get the best for our client, um, whether that's using every uh, function and feature of our product or whether that means using you know something that is a little bit out of the box or us maybe doing something bespoke for the client with our product so that they see the most value out of it um, so I think that's kind of what CS is and I guess from my account management side of things um, it was a very sales heavy focused role um, and I think that that's kind of the difference between where CS lies and where account management lies. I think with account management, you still fall into the part of uh, the team that's like hunting or looking for more opportunities. And um, with account management, a lot of my KPIs were tied to, okay, we need to upsell this many accounts. We need to make sure um, that this much revenue is generated through our, our customer base versus with customer success and, and how it's evolved and in my career and as well as the um, KPIs I've set out for my team. Yes, there are um, numerical KPIs that are obviously revenue-based, but a lot of it is around NPS scores, around um, product adoption, around um, you know how not how many licenses we've sold, but are how many of those licenses are actually utilized. Um, so there's a lot more to it than just the sales number, and I think that that's where, from account management, it's really evolved in the sense that, yes, there are still some of those commercial-minded pieces to customer success, but we've evolved to much more than that. We are a client relationship manager. We are looking after the the happiness and the well-being of our clients and how they use our products. So 
think that answers your question without getting too sidetracked there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things that I wanted to ask about was, uh, so based on your background, I know you said that um, one of your roles was based in Berlin, and obviously now you're based here in London. Yes. Um, have you noticed any differences or similarities in terms of what CS was viewed like in Berlin compared to London? Is it the same sort of challenges, the same sort of philosophy, or did you notice any differences at all? Yeah, really, really great question. I'm going to take that a step further in the sense of um, customer success in Europe as a whole versus the US, especially California, since that's where I'm from. <laughs> um, but I think that the what I've noticed in Berlin and London in particular is customer success has um, evolved from other um, departments, meaning maybe you were in support and then the the team saw that, oh, we need to have some sort of um, proactive approach to managing our customer base. And then the company decides to build out a customer success team or, um, or you're in account management and they realize that, oh, okay, we need to take more of a, a more gentle touch with our customers rather than pushing for a higher sale. So I feel like in, in Berlin, there was a lot of um, push for the sale kind of thing and, um, and moving from account management into um, into the more proactive or let's say a little bit of a gentler touch with customer success. And here in London, I think a lot of people move from um, reactive support into the proactive customer success world that we know. And the difference between what I think is Europe and California is um, since California's like, or the US has kind of been the forefront of everything customer success is a lot of people just start with customer success in the US. Like it's just a known fact versus I think, um, like I mentioned in Berlin and here in London, it's an evolution from a different department. Now, that could be me aging myself of saying that this was what was five, seven years ago. And now today, I think it's a little bit different. Some companies do value it from the get-go, but I do still see it as kind of a little bit of a trend that um, a company will, will get started. They'll do the traditional sales, marketing roles, even the support roles. And then once they have those roles in place, they'll then think of customer success rather than making it a first hire. Fantastic. And um, I, I can definitely agree with that evolution. It's probably something I've seen in my own role. So when I kind of first moved into customer success, originally it was titled client services. And then we evolved that into the more proactive customer success role. Mm -hmm. um, something that I, that I have come across in the different organizations I've worked in is that you have still an account management team that work closely alongside the customer success team. And it's interesting to hear your perspective around how account management has also evolved into customer success. So I guess my, my kind of question is when you were initially building out your first team and, and having that background in account management, how did you structure customer success? So was it something that took on the responsibilities of the traditional account management role or within that organization, was there still a separate AM team and a separate CS team? It'd be interesting to, I guess, hear what, what you did in building out that team and then also what your views are around like having the optimal sort of structure in place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So um, with the account management role and when I was transitioned into that, the company as a whole made a few shifts in how sales versus, let's say, account management and relationship management work. They 
they only had um, a sales team and then account management, but then it transitioned from a sales team to have inside and outside sales and then um, support and customer success. So they kind of just evolved everyone from account management into customer success. And like I said, some of the same um, commercial KPIs were still applied when we moved from account management to customer success. But um, there was a big gap that realized that in order to get us to the upsells or the potential we wanted to get out of our customers, we needed to, to onboard them and make sure they fully understand our product before we started to sell add-ons. So the gap was really, we can't start selling more things to them until they fully utilize our product and really understand all the different features and functionalities. And so the reason to move from account management where we're just trying to sell you know, more seats, more licenses, more features, more add-ons, we realized that um, there was a need to have a, an onboarding or at least some sort of further education on how to use the parts, the basic parts of our tool and our software at the time, and then evolve into a natural sale rather than just because the, the KPIs weren't being hit. And a lot of times the team was feeling that, um, you know, I can't sell to this customer because they haven't even started using our product. How am I supposed to actually sell an add-on or additional seats when they haven't even launched, like they had a failed failure to launch with the product. So um, I think that at the time the business saw that that was a huge gap. And in order to continue to um, generate revenue from the existing base, we had to first make sure they're using the product and really, and really using it in, in all its um, facets and then continuing to sell more on. So there, there was really just a gap of, of lack of knowledge really. And that's what, what built out the framework of where customer success would do onboarding and kind of continued education of, of the product and thus would lead to, to the upsells. That's absolutely, yeah, I, quite, I quite like that actually. It's, it's great that the business recognized that because essentially happy customers will buy more from you. So it doesn't make sense for, you know, like, like you say, trying to sell something. If people haven't been onboarded properly, if they're not getting value, then you're almost um, just kind of wasting time trying to sell something to somebody that's not fully. Yeah. And a lot of times we like the team would be asked for why getting your number. What was the reason why this didn't happen? And a lot of the team had to say, actually, when I spoke to the client, they just hadn't used that yet. So they didn't want to add on that additional feature or upgrade to the next package because they weren't using it. And so there was, there was just feedback to the um, upper management team at that point saying, hey, we can't sell this if they're not using it. <laughs> so that's, that's where that kind of natural evolution happened. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of like responsibilities and where some organizations do have a setup that has account management and um, CS, I think sometimes the challenge is understanding what the responsibilities are for each team. And it's one of the phrases that's come up before on um, a few previous episodes, but taking the approach of owning the moment rather than having a set um, of responsibilities. And I guess those moments would be things like, um, I guess they do change based on where the client is in terms of their journey. So if it's more onboarding focused or if it's getting them to increase their adoption, that's a moment that the CS team should own. Whereas if it's maybe more of a contract negotiation or if it is an upsell opportunity, that's maybe something or a moment that the account management team can own. Uh, can own. And I think that's more of a flexible approach than just having set uh, responsibilities for each team. Yep. Agree completely. 
Brilliant. Now, um, I guess just probably going back to delivering the right outcomes for, for customers, how best would you say organizations can, or sorry, how um, best do you think organizations can structure uh, a CS function? Um, do you mean like team-wise or like... Yes, yeah, that's it. So essentially in terms of just building out a team initially, um, how do you think is best is best to do that? So I think that differs for every company and how far, I guess, you've kind of, how where your global reach is when it comes to your uh, customers. So um, currently, when I built out CS here at Zap, it was a very regional, um, of a regional push. Um, we have cu- we have customers everywhere from Australia to um, you know South America to North America. We cover the globe basically. So when I was hiring, my first stab at it was just to make sure we had time zone coverage. And I think that um, a lot of companies that come into CS a little bit later, let's say, and and really want to 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 optimize on making sure all their clients have a customer success manager, a lot of it is first based on time zone, just to make sure that you have someone that covers that area if, if client, during those uh, working hours of that client. Um, in my previous role, it was a London-based um, team at first. So naturally hiring where I was was the start of, of everything. And then we expanded out to um, the U.S. because that was our next emerging market. So I do think that um, territory and where your tra- where your market is growing and where your customers are based is the first step of how to hire in the in the right way for customer success. Is because you want to you want to have your customer success managers where your customers are really um, ideally to meet them in person, but if not, at least to cover the time like the working hours in their time zone. Yeah, fantastic. I guess just kind of on that. So let's say, for example, you have um, quite a big proportion of your customers, perhaps maybe within the APAC market, but you don't currently have an office there. Would you advise perhaps maybe you just put in some kind of uh, boots on the ground there initially with perhaps maybe one or two people, one being within customer success? Or would you even just say, like, just start off with the time coverage, looking at, you know, how can we structure um perhaps maybe the teams have one person working specific hours in order to um, be available during those, uh, yeah, during APAC times, for example. Yeah, so really good point. I think that that's something based on your product. If you do have like a 24-7 product, then maybe you can hire based in your own, like let's say hire in London, but they work odd hours. Um, But I do think that hiring in the location that your customers are in makes a big difference because a, a a lot of times meeting people in, in this world, like we're so technology different driven that we forget that we're also human. And I think meeting our customers face-to-face make a big difference on how much they trust us, how much they want to work with us, how they, how they want to continue to be a part of um, the journey using your product. And so um, I personally think that hiring where the customer is, is actually the, the best option. And funnily enough, um, in my experience as a CS leader, most of my team has been um, remote or far away from me, I should say. And um, it's worked really well. I think when you do hire remote, you need to set expectation very, um, yeah, you just need to set expectation to understand that, hey, you're going to be remote. Um, you'll always have access to team members in, in these locations. But for now, it'll be a remote working position. And I think in this day and age, 
a lot, you'll find a lot more people are more keen to work remote just because it allows you the flexibility. Like, um, like I was saying, sometimes I'm up at 6am for a call and with Australia, but it's, it's the flexibility that my team might stay up later in Australia because they are working remotely. Um, and it's easier for them rather than being in an office, a fixed office. Um, but yeah, so I think hiring remotely where a client is based is, is the approach I've taken and it's working, it's worked really well. Um, but like, for example, when you hit a certain threshold, of course, open and, uh, encourage an office so that the team can come together and work together. Cause, um, we're about to hit four in Sydney and, um, I, I think we're probably going to open an office, uh, based out of Sydney soon. Cool. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's um, it's definitely along the lines of being more customer focused. Um, you're thinking about the customer first. Um, does that then translate internally as well? Or do you have any challenges in terms of making sure that the people um, or the CSMs in each territory still view it as like a global team? Or does that ever end up being siloed? And if so, what do you think are the best ways of overcoming that? Or is that just a case of it's becoming easier now that we have better technology, better communication. Yeah, great question. Um, I think you naturally become siloed when there's someone on a call that's in Sydney, someone in London, and someone in California. It's, first of all, finding the time where someone is in the middle of the night with that kind of call is, is very rare. So we try to keep our entire team meeting once a month. And it's, someone's always going to draw the, sh the short straw and going to have to either wake up early or stay up late. Um, and we do try to keep those meetings pretty short when it comes to that. Um, each of the teams have regional leads. So like the APAC team will have, you know, weekly, if not bi-weekly meetings of, of everything happening there. And then um, I'll hear back from, from the APAC lead on that. And then same thing goes for North America, same thing goes for the EMEA team. So we do have um, little cohorts, I guess, of customer success. And we, we just have to appreciate that we can't always all be on the same call all the time. But as I said earlier, with um, being located where your customers are, it makes a different difference to have that human touch. Um, at least once a year, I bring the, the CS team together to um, meet in, in one location so that we can all, you know, a meet face to face because some people are only ever seen on video or you know their voice is heard and and b just to really um start to build out that that team culture where we have the same beliefs where we you know we understand our kpis we know what the um the future is going to look for the next year of customer success at the organization and last year we did two different um on sites one in los angeles and then one here in london at the end of the year so um, I think if you do have a primarily remote team, technology is great. It's amazing. You have amazing video options. And, you know, right now um, we're, we're speaking remote, like remotely as well. So it's, it's great to have that option. But I do think that um, having the option to meet in person at least once a year so that you can all come together in a room and really discuss things and hammer things out is also super beneficial. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, just what sort of came to mind then actually is just going back to maybe the differences around customer success between the US, like Germany, London, in terms of managing that team globally, have you found that there's any cultural differences in the way that people work, their approach to customer success? Um, and has there been any challenges or good aspects from that in terms of just maybe different ways of thinking that uh, are kind of brought forward? 
Yeah, good point. Um, I've always worked for uh, like American or or like Australian or, or a Kiwi company actually, weirdly enough. And even though I was located in all these different places, the, the company culture has always been pretty close to what you would say is, um, is, is British culture, I guess. So in that sense, I think a lot of the employees that we hire fit the culture that we're looking to fit into the to larger organization. But you bring up a good point of how people say, um, different types of people in, di in different types of the world are, are all kind of different in the way they do things. Like at least when I was working with CSMs in Germany, they're very process driven and they're way more, okay, we have to get this done to get this done and then it'll result in this outcome. Versus a lot of the Australians I work with are a little bit more laid back, if I could say that. Um, and they're a little bit uh, more relaxed about certain things. but. Um, one thing that I've I've noticed as 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 a leader and and I want to make sure my team follow is as long as the customer is getting the correct outcome and they are actually using our product and um, they're renewing with us, I think the unique personalities across the globe actually help us to to make our customers achieve those things. So I'm not I'm not really bothered about like oh okay so. Um, customer success manager in Germany sent 10 emails versus my customer success manager in Australia only sent five or something like that. So I, I just think that people have different ways of working and that uniqueness makes customer success what it is. So it's not that I'm, I'm very much like, oh, you have to do these steps. But I just think that having a customer success in Germany that works with German clients understands that they're going to be more process driven versus um, a customer success manager in Australia might be a little bit more laid back and the customer might be way more relaxed on a call, let's say. And do you find that that then translates into what you're looking for when you're building those teams out? Is there like a, a checklist of um, qualities or skills, personality traits, anything like that, that you try and look for? Or does that sort of go with what you just said in terms of there will be a, un a uniqueness to each different region? So there's only a few that you try and tick off. Uh, yeah, there, there's going to be uniqueness for every region, but there are some things that I try to make sure all my CSM hires have, mainly because I just think that that's what makes a, a successful customer success manager is um, I do think that when you're hiring, you need to find someone that has, uh, that truly understands empathy, because that's something that they're going to have to do every day with a customer when they're upset, when they're just not happy, and they just really have to be an empathetic person. And that, that's something I want to, I want to see in all my customer success managers. I also um, want to make sure they have a drive and a passion to, to do what they do to really succeed because a lot of times customer success gets dealt with a lot of the things that other people don't want to take care of. And you need to have a drive and passion to keep you going. You can't just be like, Oh, I'm here to do this job. I'm, I'm going to get it done today. You have to really go above and beyond and you need to have that drive to make sure you're going to get the job done. And, and if you don't have that personal drive, there's, there's nothing I can do as a leader to, to really um, put that in you. If you have the drive, I can encourage you to, to move forward, to, to excel. But if you don't have it in you, then it's really hard for me to, to make that person excel. Um, and then a few, two other things that I kind of look for that aren't deal breakers, but I think really help 
is um, can you carry a, a technical conversation? You don't have to be super technical. You don't have to be a developer, but we do have a fairly technical product. And um, my customer success managers do speak to um, most often um, CTOs or the financial directors or CEOs of, of companies that not necessarily need all the technical details, but they do need to come off as technically savvy or understand the product in that sense. And so I do try to kind of see if the, if the customer success manager can, can at least carry that conversation from an interview. They don't need to be perfect. That's something that can be taught. Um, but it's something that is, is a bit of a charm that you have to have with having a technical conversation. And then I do think that um, in CS, you do need to be kind of a multi-tasker slash detail-oriented person. Um, and I just think that that's because the number of accounts that you're given, the number of clients you're working with, you need to remember certain things. You need to be detail-oriented with taking correct notes so that you feed it back to the team um, and making sure the client's fully fully serviced. So I think that being a multitasker and detail-oriented is something else I, I look for. Yeah, fantastic. I can completely see um, the relevance of the empathy point as well. I think, um, and that does kind of go hand in hand with what you were saying about being able to carry and hold those uh, more tech-based conversations. And I guess ultimately it comes down to what you were saying right at the start of the um, the interview in terms of being able to truly understand what the client is looking to achieve. And that's what the empathy is really, putting yourself in their shoes, understanding their situation, why they're looking to use this and um, the solution and what they're looking to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then the other thing I was going to ask about in terms of like building and, and structuring teams as well is whether there's any sort of segmentation. So once you've hired and structured the team, um, do you then apply any layers of segmentation in terms of the portfolio that each um, CSM is responsible for? So whether it's based on like vertical or industry, um, enterprise versus mid-market growth and um, potential, yeah. anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So we we do kind of three different parts of segmentation. As I like, the first part is is what you just mentioned, like segmentation at a highest level. So grouping here is usually honestly by ARR. It's pretty much this the the straightforward triangle that we're all used to seeing, where our top tier customers are our highest paying customers. So um, they're they're in that that top bit of the triangle, and then the mid touch, and then the the tech or low touch and that's again purely based on ARR and how much money they're they're going to be paying us um, uh, in 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 the annual sense but also what the lifetime value of that customer is um, the next part is is allocation and I think I already touched about this before is like um, the next level of I guess segmenting is based on where your customers are and segment your CSMs to to fit that so. Is is your are your customers in in the U.S. then then allocate a customer success manager based in the U.S. So it's geography based. But also um, another way to allocate those accounts is not just the number of accounts that's allocated to a customer success manager. I like to make sure my CSMs have a portfolio of a certain dollar amount. So they're allocated, let's say, a million ARR or ten million ARR per CSM, and that's based on 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 geography and then the portfolio being a certain amount. So that's allocation side of things. And then the final side of segmentation that we look into is in attention. And this is really um, the amount of effort that we put in to providing for each customer. So 
really based on what I just said, like the, the allocation and the segmentation, we then look at what attention we have to then give in each of the, the segments where it's, if it's US based and it's a portfolio of 10 million and your portfolio has um, 10 from the top tier, 10 from the mid and then 10 from the tech touch tier, um, where is it that your time is going? Where is your attention going in each of those tiers? So we kind of segment down the attention point of like, okay, so your top 10, this is what you're doing. And the mid 10, this is what you're doing. And then bottom 10, this is what you're doing. So um, I think that's how we kind of segment um, at, at Zap. And the main reason, again, I think I've, I've said it before is a geography plays a huge part into it, but also just a balanced portfolio of everyone having um, a certain ARR value tied to their name, but then also a certain um, top tier, mid tier, and then uh, low touch customers. Fantastic. I think that's, yeah, that's really great. And a brilliant summary as well, because I think a lot of people sometimes overcomplicate that view in, in too many aspects. So I like the idea of kind of grouping that into the three different areas and then ensuring that that is across different CSMs so that they've got like a maximum portfolio size and then you have different tiers within that, which can then inform the service levels that those clients, I guess, receive. Yeah. Um, something that we've, we've set, or which has been kind of a hot topic, really, is just looking at the cost of service. Mm -hmm. um, I know myself, I'm probably guilty of this in that I will typically sometimes over-service particular accounts um, that are perhaps maybe lower value. And as a result of that, your kind of higher value accounts that need more of a higher touch, um, not necessarily are neglected, but uh, it's just thinking about the best sort of allocation of time. So do you look firstly at the cost of service at a CSM level to ensure that perhaps maybe certain CSMs are not over-servicing accounts? And then also is that where the tiers come into play to ensure that if a client is of X value, then they get X level of service? Yeah, really good question. So it's something we're actually trialing right now to make sure that um, we are giving the certain level of service based on the certain dollar level of the client. Um, in the beginning, when, when we first segmented, to be completely honest, we were just like, get clients happy, no matter how much they, they're paying us a dollar or they're paying us 10,000, like just, just make them happy. But um, we've come to the point of where it's been about 18 months and we're like, okay, we need to reconsider how we service different levels of clients. So we've actually, um, I've created playbooks uh, for those different tiers, for different um, tiers of customers. And we've actually created what we call internally um, a gold, silver, or a bronze customer. And um, that, that's, that's kind of like toggled in our CS tool. So we know what type of customer we're dealing with when we pull up their portfolio. And each one of our CSMs, again, are assigned um, a certain number of accounts that fall into each tier, but also um, add up to the, the ARR that their whole portfolio is supposed to make up. And the way that we kind of make sure service is given to certain clients at a certain level is um, those playbooks that I talked about that kind of give us um, touch points of how often we're supposed to interact, um, what type of emails or calls we're having, how often to have um, an EBR with um, certain level of clients and wh whether an EBR is actually a phone call versus um, actually a slide deck that's, that's then emailed to our lower tier customers that 
we then say, hey, if you have any questions, we're happy to have a call to follow up. But really, we're giving you a summary of everything that we think is important. Um, and then, yeah, so we kind of, we split up, I guess, based on the tiers, what each CSM should be doing with that client. Fantastic. I love the uh, playbook idea, by the way, especially with like the gold, silver, bronze idea. And is, is that something that you kind of are transparent about with, with the customers to say, kind of based on your current spend, you're at this service level? And then if so, is there the option for clients to kind of pay for perhaps maybe more of a higher touch service level as well? Good point. Um, we don't actually share gold, silver, bronze externally. That's an internal understanding from our perspective of where the client sits. Um, and we don't have any additional add-ons for like customer success to sell their services. We do sell professional services, but that's something totally different than what you're asking. But um, we don't try to move them up into, let's say, a higher level of support or anything like that. Um, we just have our standard support package that's actually the tied into the cost of software. So as long as they keep renewing, they get um, a customer success manager. But what we try to do is now, at least, when we onboard a new customer that's, that's bronze, we, we set expectation versus a gold customer that, and how they would be interacted with differently. So like a gold customer would get like, you know, weekly calls in the first three months and like would get uh, an EBR roughly every quarter with all the stakeholders. So there's certain things that we would make clear from the onboarding process so our customer knows like what their life cycle looks like at, but what also what the touch points look, what they can expect from us in the coming um, year. So I think that setting an expectation is how our customers kind of know not what level they are with us, but the cadence of what they're going to the interactions are going to get from us. Yeah, I think that's great. And it kind of brings us on to the next section that we were going to ask you about in terms of, um, I guess, more on the ongoing measurement. So mm -hmm. once those expectations have been set with the client and they're aware of what sort of service they'll get, what, what they should expect from you. Um, and I guess there's two elements to this in terms of an internal view and external, but do you guys have anything in place or do you think there is any sort of standard things that a CS leader should have in place in terms of how to track and measure the performance of the CS team in terms of, yeah, like um, making sure that they are servicing to the correct level and that their resources in the correct, um, correct areas. Yeah, I could definitely touch on that. So um, we put in a CS tool about 12, almost 12 months ago in April. And um, a lot of the playbooks and actions and tasks that my CSMs do are um, ticked off in that in that tool and then I actually do have reports that are um, within that tool that I um, that I built that are based on what I call CSM effectiveness so how many emails are they saying before renewal how many calls did they log that led to this renewal uh, what was the reason for this um, upgrade so um, yeah, I, I do think tracking that as a CS leader is extremely important. Um, I think as you scale and as you continue to hire, you need to make sure your current team is fully utilized and fully, um, I guess, really doing everything they can to make sure the customer is happy and, and um, is renewing with you guys and then look into how you can hire more 
in that sense. So yeah, totally valuable as, as a CS leader. And aside from the CS tool that we've hired, I've actually had my, um, we are a business intelligence platform. So I, it's a little bit different where, where reports are kind of like our um, bread, and, bread and butter. And we, um, we build out reports in our own tool on that as well. So I do have um, tools within my own tool, if that makes sense, to see how effective a CSM is. Yeah, great. That makes complete sense. And I like the idea of the CSM effectiveness. So essentially evaluating on an ongoing basis, um, what is it that's leading to the renewal or the upsell? And obviously, I guess that then helps you long term to start evaluating those playbooks and make sure that they're still uh, still relevant. Yeah, um, and it helps like uh, evaluate how a CSM is doing. So it's not just for me. I do the dashboard I mainly look at, but I do share with each CSM to see how like how they're performing and we do use it as um, performance reviews as well so that they can see okay I'm doing great with renewals but maybe not so much with upsells um, this is where I'm lacking so it really helps from a managerial perspective to go into those reviews with your CSMs to give them the most knowledge on how they can improve to be a better CSM but also how you can give them feedback on, on getting better. Yeah, fantastic. I really, really like that idea. Um, and then how does that differ from an external perspective? So do you guys actively build out success plans with the clients or does that tend to differ based on uh, like what tier the client is in? So anyone that's maybe in the gold tier would probably have a long-term success plan or um, is it more around the EBRs that you were mentioning before? Yeah, we do. Um, we have success plans that we build out during the onboarding process um, and we share that that is shared exter externally. So that is something that the client is very much aware of. We have milestones that require sign-off from our client as we um, implement and onboard them. So as we go through that process, the client has to take off that we've delivered this as promised. Um, and during the, the EPR, we then go and reevaluate all those requirements. And then if necessary, build out more milestones and requirements uh, for the next three, six months. Um, so that's something that's shared externally and it's something that we actually want to make sure the client is signing off on and and agreeing that they've they've received that level of service yeah i think that's a great point as well in terms of the ongoing sign off and making sure that those um the objectives and what they're looking to achieve are still up to date and relevant because obviously we know that businesses uh, they constantly change and adapt so the reason that they may have originally come on board that could be completely different in six months time and i guess you would you would expect that anyway, especially if they're successfully implementing the tool or the service. Um, you would then look for those upsell opportunities based on what they've done in the past like quarter, past six months, and so on. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. And um, I guess just taking this back to where you mentioned around like tracking CS performance, it would be really great as well just to understand like how you then showcase that to the wider business because CSM, as we know, has evolved into a relatively new function in terms of what we're trying to promote around just driving success for the customer and perhaps not always having that focus just on, on the revenue aspect. Mm -hmm. Based on those activities that your team are doing, how do you then showcase that into the wider business um, in order to kind of really cement the value of CS and uh, how we play a part in the overall success of, of the business that you're working with. Yeah, definitely. So um, the, the report that I'm talking about is shared with 
with my um, direct report, which is the uh, chief operating officer. And so he always looks over, I guess, what our um, utilization is for each one of our um, customer success managers. I, I usually sit down with him once a month, give or take, on, on all the performances of the CSMs. And then we also go over, you know, our target. Like we do have a report that shows um, uh, what the, the target is for upsells and for renewals. Um, based on region and CSM, and we go over that, and and what our we have a a like like a predictability of what's because uh, we do have a CS pipeline of what's coming up for renewal and is it going to renew, and then we also have what's um, potentially an upgrade for us this quarter and the likelihood of that happening. So our our CS team does have to enter that in um, for renewals. We just want to know. What are the likelihood of them of that renewing and not? And then if they are downgrading, what are they downgrading to? Um, and if they are upgrading, what are they upgrading to? And then so that's looked at by my um, my direct re uh, report uh, once a month just to look over effectiveness. And um, to be completely honest, we've kind of smashed some of our goals. So for the most part, everyone just expects us to keep smashing the goals. But um, we we do look at also the number of emails each. CSMs had and the number of calls and um, and relate that back to the number of renewals as well as the number of upsells that a, that a, that a CSM has and if that directly correlates. So, so I personally look at that and try to work out where that number sits and does it mean more calls mean more renewals and I discuss that with my manager and then if that's the case then we'll like we'll put a campaign in place where our CSMs have to call like we'll be call our customers once a month about X to see if that actually helps. So we, we try to proactively create new campaigns based on the, um, the work that a CSM already did in the previous quarter. Fantastic. Yeah, I guess um, just to, again, just kind of that simple view sometimes of just the more we engage with our clients, the, the more success that we have and you can kind of measure and, and assess that, which is, um, which is great. Yeah. So um the kind of final section that we typically ask around is trends and advice. Mm -hmm. And the first question I've got actually is just uh, what would you say have, has been the biggest challenge, whether as a customer success manager or now as a CS leader, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in customer success? I think the biggest challenge, and this is purely based in London, is, is the initial um, push to get the board members and executive team to truly understand every aspect of customer success. Because a lot of people just think, oh, you're account management or you're customer support or um, what is it that you guys are doing aside from talking to our customers? <laughs> so I think that push is really the struggle, even sometimes in this day and age. And it just really depends if you're you know, a startup kind of business or you're in a, in a larger organization. So um, I think that's really the challenge that I've, I've had to face. And, and the main reason is, is um, as a CS leader in my current role and in my previous role, the, the company wanted to bring in CS. They kind of understood the concept and they hired me to, to, to build it out. But then while building it out, I still had to prove, hey, this is what we do. This is why we do it here's the value we bring. And, you know, if you look at this, you know, one customer success manager has saved, you know, $100,000 versus, you know, and, and, you know, the return on investment 
on based on how much you pay this customer success manager is, is massive compared to the losses you're going to take. So I think just um, once you've been hired into the role, a lot of times you still have to do a lot of convincing, even though the company thinks they want the buzzword that is a customer success manager, they don't necessarily know the full breadth of what it is you do. So I think that's been one of the big challenges. So I think it always goes back then. And um, I know Gainsight talk a lot around this, but customer success isn't just a team. It's it, it's a philosophy and the company needs to adopt that. So uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it takes a while. I think a lot of people forget that even though they want to believe it, it takes some time to really make customers a customer-centric business. Definitely. And I guess based on that, where do you see CS heading? Um, so there's obviously been kind of an evolution over, over the last few years, but uh, yeah, it'd be great to get your thoughts on where you see it sort of moving forward in the future. Yeah. So I think we all covered a lot of the whole, like moving from proactive to reactive, but I totally think customer success is going to be more prescriptive moving into the future. I think that we've finally kind of made that transition off of from the reactive side of support into the proactive side of onboarding, EBRs, um, all that side of thing, and, and then moving into more of a prescriptive side of things. And then I do think that with where artificial intelligence is going, I think that that's going to play a big role into how CSMs do their roles. Not that AI is going to re replace a CSM, but rather enhance in order to be more uh prescriptive with their uh their approach so in the sense of oh like an ai tool helping record meeting notes of exactly what you say to a customer and then um that tool being able to tell you okay you need to schedule a follow-up call on x date and um do this with the customer in order to see them be successful so i think that's kind of where we're headed in in this in the terms of how technology is going to help CS become better at what we do. Do you think there's also an element of maybe predictability in that as well? So um, I guess using tools to be more prescriptive, as you said, and then using that data to potentially forecast what may happen with a client. So based on uh, their usage and the contacts and the engagement that you've had with them, you can, um, I guess it goes along the trend of like health scores and stuff like that, but maybe being more um, predictive with them in terms of what may happen to a client, the likelihood of their renewal um, to upsell any of those sort of key actions that you would look for. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you've already just said it like with the health scores, we, we build them based on what we think is going to be, is going to happen. Like we think, Oh, if customer doesn't log in for 10 days minus five for the health score. But I think with, um, certain AI tools are just being a little bit more forward thinking on that. It'll be able to tell us more precisely as to what's going to happen with that client and be able for us to be more proactive to make sure that doesn't happen. So I think you've totally just summarized what, what's in my head. But yeah, I agree that uh, having tools like that in the future and being able to really understand what's going to make them churn helps us do our job a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, a little bit sooner. Perfect. Um, so the final question then is, um, we kind of touched on it in terms of your challenges and how you would um, overcome them. But I guess um, in terms of your advice for someone who maybe is looking to move into CS, so maybe 
um, a, a step before becoming a leader, so someone who's looking to completely transition into CS. Um, what would be your key advice? Um, what would you recommend they do um, in terms of getting themselves involved in the network and, and the community? Yeah, um, be great at what you do. I know that's so simple, but <laughs> I think that when you are really amazing at being a great CSM and you show that internally to whoever you're reporting to or even whoever your boss reports to, let's say if you're just a CSM and, and you're trying to show how amazing you are to your chief customer officer or your chief operating officer, just be really great at what you do. Um, I think that's a natural evolution, evolution, but also ask questions. If you want to move into a leadership role, you have to ask. I think you can't just always accept, uh, accept that someone's going to put you into leadership. You're going to have to ask either your direct manager or whoever in the business would be responsible for that and say, hey, I've been at the business for two years. I've always hit my KPIs. I I really do want to move into more of a leadership or take on more responsibilities. How do I get there? And a lot of times um, they will they will fully tell you, hey, you've done this really well. We need to see you do this. And then we'd be happy to put you as team lead. So I think you need to be curious and you need to ask. You can't be great at what you do and be curious and ask for those um, advancements in your career. And uh, as far as getting involved, uh, I think I'm going to do a personal plug here with, <laughs> <laughs> with um, customer success meetup in London. Um, we do have monthly meetups where, you know, at least 40 to anywhere up to 100 plus customer success managers come into one room in, in one part of London in someone's offices where they're sharing customer success. And it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for us to all mingle and get to know each other. And I think even though customer success is a profession, it's so broad and learning what other people do in other industries and how they do customer success can really teach you how to do your job better. So um, personal plug there, but I think that that's a great way to, to network. Yeah, I think it's, um, it, it kind of summarizes the CS community um, quite well in terms of everyone is willing to go out and share um, their own experiences, but more so to, to learn from others, not just in CS, but, um, you know, all the different touch points that CS has um, and, and, yeah, improve their own experiences. So I think that's a, a great, um, great summary of where CS is in terms of a community, really. Yeah. And the great thing is, if you are looking to move forward into leadership, a lot of times you have to bring new ideas to the mm -hmm. table. And the one I, I have to say, all our meetups, even though I, I've run so many now, I still feel like I get something to bring back to my team almost every month when we have a meetup and something like that, when you're bringing that back to your organization and, and proving that that's something that, you know, will work for you guys will, will really advance you in your career and how your, your company values you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for joining the podcast today and it's been really great speaking with you. Um, there were some really, really useful sections that we've covered. I know things like the segmentation, um, the measurement from a, a personal perspective was great in terms of um, the, the effectiveness and the playbooks. Um, we've both written down absolutely tons of notes. So there's definitely some things that we'll implement. And um, yeah, thank you again for, for joining us. Thanks, yeah, thanks I so really much. appreciate it.